Hey, hello guys, I'm back. After a short break, I thought I'm going to get back to my desk and do another recording because I feel kind of good. But I also have a reason to be upset and concerned because I found something, yet again, um, that pisses me off. And I thought I'm going to talk about it. I should talk about it, and you should too. I'll be right back. I just have to get myself a glass of wine because I bought one that really tastes extremely good. Um, I haven't had any food, but <laughs> who cares? Food is overrated. Uh, just give me a second. I'll be right back. All right. I'm back. I got my wine. Thank God for the pause button. Today, wait, I'm going to replace, I know it's, it's a little scratchy here. I'm just going to place my microphone in a much more convenient position. Um, last time I had the podcast running, which was, I think, just maybe two days ago, um, I, was, I was talking about uh, partially my past. And, um, of course, you know, uh, I, I did mention my father there and his near-death experience, which I wanted to talk about, and I kind of forgot. And I wanted to do that again getting back to those old memories as an opener for this podcast because um, the main topic is going to be something different. It's not about making babies, but it is something sexual, um, something that I I don't really know what to do with it because it's, it's not as appealing as it once was in the comic book universe. And we're going to get to that later. First, just to get back to the old memory of my father. Uh, the picture is this. Um, we've been in Canada, of course, in case you have um, listened to my older po- uh, podcasts. I was living in Canada with my parents when I was three years old, and I lived there for over six and a half years. I've, w- I've went to school there, kindergarten, I had friends and all that stuff, and my father always was a very adventurous type of guy. He still is today. And back in the old days in Canada, we lived in Ontario near the Montreal borders. And um, there was a town called Hawkesbury, which was pretty much the main town or city which everything the area belonged to. At least, I think technically it belonged to them. And there was a very, very, very small town uh, near that main city called Lorenial. And uh, from there, my father and I and my mom, we uh, took, that was before my brother was born, so I was about maybe five years old. Um, Not older than six, but I think I was just five. And I do remember a lot of that, that day. I remember that my dad had to push his car with um, with with an excessive amount of force from the engine up a very tiny hill to get to um, to a, a part of a forest site. I'm not sure who, who uh, this this land belonged to. If it was from I don't know the city or government or just maybe private property, we didn't really know. But I assume it was private because something happened up up there. I, the only thing I, I do remember clearly is that after we managed to, to park the car, we went into the woods and collected berries. 
and I think they were maybe raspberries or blackberries. One of the two. We had no strawberries up there in the forest. That much I still remember. It was one of the the, the other two. And uh, we had, you know, like these collecting baskets and stuff like that, these wooden uh, baskets. And we, we tried to get as many berries as we could because, first of all, the adventure was kind of fun. My mom wanted to make marmalade from it. And uh, my dad just wanted to eat them and then drink beer afterwards, you know, like the good old dad that he was. And I remember just, you know, minding my own business. I was collecting berries and I got really fed up with all those mosquitoes flying around and other bugs, which I just totally hated. But the area was interesting and the forest was kind of tight and dense, you know. So there wasn't really that much room for me to walk around. And to explore by myself, because my mom insisted that I stay in the area. They didn't know what they would find up there. So um, I remember only that something happened, and I, I couldn't see it. I wasn't there to see it. Something happened to my dad. And I remember, though, that he came back with my mom. I think my mom screamed shortly, or at least looked very upset at first, and then said something in a very high-pitched voice. And um, when they came back, they just told me to stay on site in the area near to the car and just wait for them. So I, I behaved and just waited because I could feel there was a tension in the air. Something bad happened. So she came back with my dad. My dad looked very upset. They didn't tell me what happened. We went back into the car and we drove home with the berries. So um, many, many years later, when I was about... Uh, let me think, 14, 15, I think. Not older than 15. I remember that my dad came to Germany back then because, you know, just to give you an overview of what actually happened, my parents got divorced in Canada when I was uh, nine years old. Not in Canada, nonsense. They sold everything when I was nine years old. All property, you know, the, the, the land, the house, um, furniture, of course, and uh, the divorce took place in a court over lawyers in Germany. My dad moved to Taiwan because of a job, and he, he met someone there, you know, fell in love and all that, which I have mentioned. And uh, he tried to still stay in contact with us uh, over the years. He even took his wife with him, his Taiwanese wife, back to Germany for a while, living here in Germany and trying to build up a company that sold bicycles, for example, or dealt with bicycle equipment. And uh, he tried to he tried to juggle two families. You know, he was always a guest of the house from my mother and and, and my my brother and I, his his first family, so to speak. And in the afternoon or at night or during the day, he would work with his wife together on this 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 business idea and you know taking care of his own kids. So he was always jumping back and forth and trying to do both, which was, he had good intentions with that, but of course it didn't work out in the long run. So, you know, he eventually, um, I think he filed for bankruptcy in Germany about this company, as far as I remember anyway. Someone else took over the company and, and with it, I think all the problems as well, and he left to Taiwan, which he stayed in there. He stayed on the island till today, actually. He still lives there. But um, during those days when he lived in Germany with us, not directly with us, but, you know, he had his own place, of course. 
Um, he had a very old Mercedes bus that he rebuilt as a camping a trailer, so to speak, a camping bus. And at one weekend, he said, look, well, I'm going to take you guys with me. Do you want to join me to the Oktoberfest in Munich? You know, so we we went there. I agreed. I didn't really enjoy it. I'm not really a fan of the Oktoberfest. I'm not a fan of the, the typical Bavarian, uh, you know, drink until you die culture. It's not really my thing. Although I like drinking, I just don't like the, the style of drinking of the Germans in general. But that's a different story. Um, back in the day, though, when I traveled with him uh, in, in this bus, we had a, a conversation. My, my brother was, was there too, but he didn't really follow the conversation that we had because he was six years younger. So when I was 15, he was about, he was nine years old himself and mostly stayed to himself. He didn't really talk much about, you know, he was too young to understand the, the adult stuff. He wasn't exactly mature for his age when he was 10 or 11. Uh, no, I'd, or let's say not mature enough to actually uh, talk about interesting subjects. He was he was still a kid and very selfish, and uh, you know my, my mom did a very horrific job in raising him. Let's put it that way. So I do remember spending time with my dad in that bus. While um, I think on one day in particular, we had we dropped his wife off on a marketplace. I think where she just enjoyed herself a little bit, you know, looking for stuff, buying stuff. I think my brother was sleeping in the van and I was talking to my dad. And for some reason, we bumped into this old memory of Canada and collecting berries back then. And we talked about near-death experiences. If he believes that um, there is maybe something after death, you know, or, or if you die, that you see something interesting in front of your eyes, no matter if it's your real eyes or if it's just, you know, your mind playing tricks on you, just the phenomenon itself. And he'd said that back in that old Canada day, when we collected those berries, he actually fell into a bear trap. Now, I mean falling into a bear trap. We're talking about a, um, a shaft or hole that was being dug, uh, being dug in the air. Uh, not, not in the air, in the ground, I'm sorry. <laughs> How can you dig a hole in the air? Um well, it was in the ground, and it was hidden. It was camouflaged with a few branches and leaves and stuff like that. And he didn't see it, of course. Nobody could, unless you know exactly what to do or, you know, have some inside information. He took a wrong step and fell, lost balance and fell into that hole. But he could hold himself with his arms on the ground before falling inside completely. And, he, you know, he had his arms bruised and everything, his ribs and all that. And he said it was pretty close because the the hole that was dug was that that was dug deep was was really a, more than six feet under. Okay, it was large enough and deep enough to make a bear fall not only into that trap but stay in the trap so he couldn't come out. For for a human being, he would have probably broken maybe his legs if he fell completely in there, or even worse. So, um, uh, my my mom helped him to get out of that hole. And, you know, my, my dad was so shaken up from that that he said the, the, the fall wasn't that what really scared him. What scared him was the, the film he saw while he was falling. So eventually he couldn't really feel even that he was catching himself with his arms and shoulders on the ground beside the hole 
to prevent him from falling any deeper. And he told me that in that moment when he fell, he did saw something like a movie, something like a flashback of his previous uh, experiences in life. The moments when he was younger, you know, childhood age, teenager, young adult, first job, first love, you know, which was most likely my mom back then. His parents, loss of his father and all that stuff, just all condensed and compacted into, so cramped into this moment of revisiting, uh, you know, old experiences in life. And with all these images that he saw, it was there was also, a, 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 I think, a portion of emotion connected to it. So we talked about that for a while. I never had any experiences like that. I've never seen my own life in front of my eyes, you know, but... but um, I've heard about these stories a lot. I think I even read a book about it years ago. I can't really put together what's in there. And I think I should take these old books out and read them once again, just for fun. You know, just, of course, most of these uh, stories are probably fake. And uh, not everything that has been reported has been reported and researched correctly. You know, journalism is always a bit on the on the shaky side when you're talking about pa- about paranormal activities or experiences from another world and stuff like that, or astral projection and whatnot. But in this case, I was talking to my own father, so I do believe him that he saw what he did. And um, there was nothing else, though. You know, he just, he came to in the real world, realizing that he was stuck in that hole. But before that, there was uh, this, this vision of his life. But there was nothing else in that vision. You know, it was just his life, not more than that. Nothing spectacular there was no light that he saw there was no ghost or something like that he wasn't really dying it was just this this scare moment you know this almost jump scare but falling and for some reason his mind shut off reality completely for a second or two and just i don't know just um, enabled this playback of old memories you know however it works. I don't know. I'm not sure what was behind that. If it's just a trick in your brain, which could possibly be, and if it's not a trick, why exactly do you see these visions of your previous life before you die? What's the point? You know, it, it sounds to me like if this, this was real, that maybe a piece of software in the universe is being played, which you're connected to, to a gigantic operating system. Because in the end, what you're seeing in front of your eye is nothing else but data pure and utter data in a different format or frequency. Let's just put it out there that this idea could be legit, okay? Um, that means there, there must be a source for the information where that data comes from. And is it ignited or initi- in, initiated somewhere in the brain before you die or while you die? And if so, why is that happening? What's the purpose of that information? To, is it like a reboot thing? Is it, is it a reset situation? Or is it like um, preparing you for the next level? I have no idea. But I've never experienced anything like it. And maybe someday I'm going to experience it myself. Maybe I can give someone some insight on this information, what it might be if I experience it myself. But I don't think I can. I would just be flabbergasted by what I see and then maybe forget it afterwards. But it's an interesting memory, though, and I'm pretty glad that I talked to my dad about that. You know, it gave me some something to think about that maybe 
you know, life is full of surprises, and even when you die, maybe another surprise, which I don't know for sure, and I can tell you most people can't be sure about that unless it happens to themselves. Well, okay, that's uh, that was the flashback. That was the story about my dad and his near-death near experience. It's, it's not that spectacular, but it's interesting nonetheless, okay? So he wasn't dying from a gunshot or, you know, being being robbed by pirates. Thankfully not. He just fell into a hole and saw something interesting. So, so much for that. Now, for the main topic, guys. Uh, I think you're going to love this. Maybe maybe not as much as someone else. Some otaku fan, probably. Let me just type in something in my laptop to see if I can... If I can find it in a jiffy here on Google for some some examples, yeah, I think I did. It's 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 something that does piss me off. It's a, it's a phenomenon that was I don't know who started this shit, but in case you've been on TikTok for a while and you see sometimes some you know uh, some sexy images of women. Uh, sticking out their tongue to a very distorting degree, let's say, a bit unrealistically surreal, with twisted eyes, you know, eyes rolled up or just, you know, looking really disabled or idiotic and stuff like that. But the, the main purpose of, of creating these faces is to mimic a situation that was, that was drawn and illustrated many years, up until this day, actually, in hentai mangas, to, to display a woman having such a great orgasmic experience during sex, or during arousal anyway, to make a face like that, sticking the tongue out and letting the eyes roll to express someone's pleasure that is so high that you lose control of your facial expressions and, you know, f- facial muscles. So that's what that face is for. And it was drawn in hentai to actually to generate that idea to display absolute pleasure and loss of control in in a sexual um, situation. And it's been drawn like thousands and millions and millions of times. And it has been well established for the Japanese culture to understand that, you know, facial expression and, and the, the context of of the story, if there is even a story. I mean, I mean, most mangas, most hentai mangas don't really have a good story. I think we can all agree on that. And I do possess my own hentai mangas from the 1990s. Not many of them, but we're talking about the same, you know, buy once, read them, and then throw them in the trash kind of stuff, which uh, are produced on, or printed on very cheap recycling paper. Um, they're not meant for uh, collecting or, you know, being collector's items, they all get thrown away. And I, 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 I got a few for myself, original Japanese, as a reminder of what this stuff looks like. And even for me professionally to see how, how uh, erotic female bodies are drawn. And I do like some of these illustrations myself. Others are a bit too obnoxious. I don't, I don't like every kind of artwork in, that, in this regard. But I, I don't find hentai to be that negative or that bad. You know, it's, it's not... It's not justifiable to stand in the corner and point with a finger at that stuff and say, no, only perverts read that. It's nonsense. It's a piece of art. And that's it. That's final. There's nothing else to say for me there. But this phenomenon where people are mimicking the facial expression is called 
Ahigao, or the um, Ahigao face, Ahigao tongue expression, or just, you know, Ahigao hentai stuff, and you find lots and lots of pseudo-influencers who think they're special, and, you know, these, these only fans... Uh, uh, participants and streamers who like to be in the center of things using thousands of filters to make themselves look prettier and more sexy and more, you know, more manga type face. And they all make that expression. I mean, not, not all per se, but it has become sort of an epidemic where lots of these teenagers and young women are just, um, you know, showing off this, this, this sexual arousal expression. And I've bumped into this stuff recently more than enough during browsing the web for, I don't even know what it was. I think I found it in, in history of TikTok somewhere. It was, it was presented to me over Google uh, and, and search results. I mean, I do look for porn sometimes, but I don't look for, for Oigao. You know, I just, I don't care about that. But I've noticed that it has become so popular and I've found these Oigaho um, compilations, even where people, you know, total fans collect this stuff and record all of these streams that they can get from their, their idols. And, you know, these, 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 these sexy girls there, they're just uh, wearing tight clothes and being over-sexualized to a degree that it's just absurd. And then make compilation videos out of that to, um, I don't know, to gain attention or just to spread the information around. And you do start to realize how big this is and how many people are actually doing this stuff and how many girls are just enjoying the shit out of the attention that they get with doing the face. And they make even these ahigaho challenges, you know, which one has the most sexy porn face in that regard. So, you know, look, I have nothing against the idea that you can explore your whatever sexual fantasy it is that you have, your fetish, your desire for porn, or just, you know, express that with your girlfriend and wife, I don't care. But this, why in the fuck would you actually waste your time in doing this? Um, it's, we have seen so much nonsense, you know, girls trying to twerk, um, learning how to dance sexy and all that kind of stuff it's it's really to to a, to a level where you have to ask yourself as a parent am i doing it right or not i mean is my kid in good hands out there or should i you know take take control here i'm glad i don't have any kids so i don't have to worry about this shit but i do worry about the fact that we are losing our fucking minds and are wasting our time with this kind of nonsense to for whatever fucking reason this is not about fun, okay? We're talking about a society, a young, new, brand new society uh, being bombarded by information that is completely and utterly worthless. And this Aigao movement is exactly the same. And it belongs into this category for people who just, you know, just don't know what to do with their time. Or, which is even worse, and I have to condemn this to the greatest degree. Why is it necessary that some boys or even grown men support these these girls in their their effort to gain as much attention as possible and looking for money, for sponsors, for uh, you know more more money from these Patreon members and just shoving money up their asses by feeling what special? 
recognized and respected by the so-called artists that you're following? I mean, for fuck's sake, what is it that we people do around here? I do not understand how people are sitting at home watching this shit on a specific channel, being a member of that person and shoving money in her direction as if it was the only thing that you're interested in. Netflix, I can understand. This shit, get a life, okay? It's bullshit. If you want to watch a movie, fine. You want to watch a TV show, great. You want to watch some young girl twerking around, showing off her tits and making the porn face, what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, they, you have to draw a line somewhere. If this is a fetish that makes you happy, what is it that you want? Your life is not going to improve if you keep watching this shit. Okay, your life is not going to improve if you support even these, these young girls in, in, in doing this stuff. You know, and, and helping them promoting this idiotic lifestyle. I would call it even a lifestyle since it has, you know, made so much, so many jumps out there. It's only going to be a matter of time until this stuff is being, you know, uh, reported somewhere, even on the mainstream news and criticized for being damaging. And I'm pretty sure it's damaging. You know, it's, it's, people should be doing something else with their time and not trying to become some of these, these anime manga puppets who are just bursting from an orgasm. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't have any, any complaints about the art form itself. But if people want to become one with this and use one of these, these key elements of, of pornograph, pornographic imagery in the comics and turn that into a real-life thing, and it becomes so popular that it's just, you know, fucking everywhere, then I think we got a problem here. <laughs> we have serious issues. The what I don't really get is is still the fact that people give them power to do those things, you know. And we have like grown men sitting in a corner and jer jerking off to this stuff, who have nothing else in their lives to do and looking for connection to one of these people to feel feel what exactly? Jesus, I need a sip of wine. Are you so alone that you need this stuff? Is is it that? Are you so lonely in your life that you have to watch a young girl or woman performing these acts and and what you, how much time you spend with these with with these idiots sitting there for like 8 hours a day just keep watching her streams as if you're a part of her fucking life cuz you're not seriously you're not this is this gets even worse i have just as an example i had um I had a friend once, I'm, I'm not really in contact with her at the moment because she's, you know, studying and doing her, her, her stuff. And she had a boyfriend for a while uh, before studying. And she told me in all confidence, and, and you know, and to me at least, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it, it doesn't matter. But she was heartbroken from one thing. Her boyfriend was a completely obsessed with one of these TikTok or OnlyFans performers, girls just dressing up to be some kind of a combination of anime or gothic, you know, crossover puppet or whatnot with massive makeup, then making all these faces, of course, these pornographic oigamo or ohigaho faces, <laughs> sorry. And um, he was so obsessed with it that he started confronting her with those uh, with those girls and, and comparing her face and her quality as a woman with the ones that he saw on the screen. And he told her every time how interesting she is, how intelligent, which is bullshit. 
I mean, I'm sorry, but that was just a protective answer. You know, and of course, her sexual qualities, her looks and her style, everything, he loved it completely. He was so obsessed that he kept following, you know, a, a certain group of these women and couldn't let go of that. And he was, he was sitting in front of the computer partially for hours following the streams and, and live streams and all that while she was getting no attention at all. And if she did get attention, you know, he would tell her, he would give her shit for not looking the part. So that's the kind of damaging relationship that she was in. She did feel for him, you know, like love him and stuff like that. But eventually, over a couple of years of agony and misery and all that and despair, she decided to quit the relationship and just just leave, which was the best thing that she could have done. But still, um, that is just one example of many of these examples, how young men just lose their shit and get stuck in front of the computer or mobile phone or whatever it is that they use and, and just pay their attention and their, their good hard-earned hard earned cash, if they have any cash at all, into the bra of these women performing their acts to be uh, successful and, and loved by so many people who don't even know the person. I think this is really crass. I mean, we're not talking about somebody who's creating artwork. They're just promoting themselves and their bodies, not doing anything at all, just looking sexy. That's it. That's the whole business. Okay? And I lose my shit if I read articles about a woman selling her farts in jars, in, in glass jars or something like that. And, you know, she sold them for I don't know how many hundreds of dollars. And eventually she had a blowout and had to stop doing the business. You know, she changed her diet to such a degree that she would produce as much gas as possible to fart in these jars and sell them. How in the fuck is that even possible that any stupid idiot of a jerk is spending his money on this crap? Is this really the world we live in? Hey, it's no wonder that there's never been any kind of alien visitation because if, if an alien race saw what it is that we're doing here, we really deserve to be, to be, to be shot into space, to die, to be vaporized and nuked. This is the dumbest form of entertainment I have ever seen. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And if you have kids, you have to worry that they don't succumb to this kind of level of existence. And I'm glad I don't have any. So good luck to you and your kids. If you want to check out the stuff that I mentioned, just look for Ahigao on Google and you will find at least enough uh, TikTok material and pictures and stuff like that to get to give you an idea of what that is. Uh, just add the word hentai, for example, and you will get the idea what the artwork looks like and why it was designed like that. So um, it's, I think it's pathetic. You know, it, it is true. I have to admit that that some some women look actually quite quite attractive sometimes when when they do this face but it it's i don't really recommend anyone doing this this stuff in the first place especially not to gain attention i mean what's the purpose in the end just to shock people or entertain them and be the sexiest of them all to gain more fame and more likes and more followers and stuff like that we have to stop doing this shit there is no point there's really no point it's just 
really getting worse. I wonder what's next. I've even seen, you know, like like videos. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, all sorts of women, and sometimes one of them was even, I think, too young for their own good. Um, uh, you know, brushing their teeth and then doing the sexy spit of the toothpaste in the sink or, you know, down their faces, down their chin and all that to mimic a cum shot. I mean, what the fuck? This is really insane. I've, I've, I've never seen this before. I found it by accident, believe me or not, while I was looking for, you know, evidence or some examples of this Oigao stuff. And so then I saw the toothpaste shit and that there was even a toothpaste challenge going on in TikTok community and stuff like that. What is this shit? It's enough. Don't you think it's too much? You want to watch porn? Go watch porn. Why does social media have to be filled with this crap? I don't want to sound old-fashioned, but I think it's too much. It's really too much. It's um, people like that, people doing this stuff, they should be banned. They should be banned from this community and not supported. It's just, what's next? Huh? Somebody shoving a carrot up their cunt. Give me a break. There has to be a limit somewhere. Okay? Especially when it's about, you know, damaging uh, teenagers and, and youth in general. All the new generations growing up and seeing this shit. They get c- confronted by this. Manipulated by it. Because they see that it's famous. And that people like it. And that they have success. And they have, they have you know, recognition and all that. And respect from a virtual world that means absolutely nothing. But that's what they're aiming for. So yeah, I am concerned because I don't know what this is going to bring to us. You know, I'm not sure where this is going. What will uh, social networking look like in the next ten or twenty years? You know, how how sexually perverted will these fantasies become, or or communication overall? It's just it's no fun anymore. You know, it's it's not interesting. It's not even entertaining or or intriguing. It's just. It's just really too bizarre. Maybe I'm getting too old for this. It could also be the truth, you know, that I just, maybe I spend too much time thinking about the value of this kind of stuff. But um, if you can, and if you're interested, it's spelled, this this uh, Aigao is spelled A-H-E-G-A-O. Uh, add the word hentai to it. Then you'll find the mangas at least. And if not, just keep looking. You'll find it anyway. You'll find it on TikTok eventually if you haven't seen it already. And God knows where where else. Maybe on Facebook somewhere or Twitter. Uh, make make up your own mind what you think of that. What this is supposed to be. And if it's, uh, if you think it's funny, if you think, yeah, okay, I can deal with this stuff. It, it makes me laugh. Okay, good for you. If you think this is rather disturbing if you catch your own daughter doing it, you know, think again. Maybe it's not that funny anymore. Because I think we are deconstructing the sensibility to, to, to pornography and sex in younger generations. I think it, this has become even too dangerous for their own good, that they do not know when to stop or behave accordingly or just, you know, there is no decency anymore in this kind of presentation and this, this exploitation of, of sexual elements. It has become a bit too much. Like I said before, you know, pornography, okay. I don't mind it at all. I don't think it's that dangerous. But it has become, for many years anyway, its own thing. You know, it's its own genre. It has become its own entertainment park. And it was controlled 
at least for a while, heavily. And, and, you know, people paid attention that no one too young could actually access this kind of stuff. But in nowadays, you know, you just go into the internet, you find this stuff like crazy. You find the Japanese content, the mangas, the hentai, pornography without, without end. You know, it's like there's limitless supply online. And banning it and trying to control it all, it, I think we're way too late for that. You know, there are too many platforms out there selling and dealing with this stuff or just giving out free streams and all that kind of crap. You know, and it's 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 no wonder in the end that young generations have fallen into this 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 um, uh, competition, if you will, of who can be the most sexiest, who can be the most hottest, and who has the the greatest idea. Uh, you know, accompanying this this sexual trend of of transformation and attention. I guess you know it's always about attention in the end. So. Um, I'm concerned. I really am. I don't like it. It's just another trend that leads into social decay and destruction. And, you know, it it would be different if they had the decency to do this with people they know uh, who are the closest to them, like their own, you know, fiancé, boyfriend, husband, that kind of thing. To try out these things and see if they get, you know, any any uh, sexual sensation from it, or if they find it entertaining or fun. But bragging this stuff out into the open, you know, we had like these wet T-shirt uh, um, challenges or ice bucket challenges, and then this challenge, that challenge. It's just gonna get worse. Look, there are even people out there making challenges of swallowing an entire banana, deep throating a banana or other objects like a cucumber. What if, you know, what if, if this goes sideways and somebody, you know, gets, gets like a panic attack and chokes to death on, on these, these uh, uh, stuns and performances? I wouldn't really recommend doing it. Is it entertaining to watch? Well, on first hand, yeah, I think it probably is. But if you think about it, what, what could happen and that it is dangerous and sending a false message to younger generations to find this stuff cool you know don't you think that people should be worth more than that just to prove that they can be sexual puppets i'm just saying there's that there should be a limit we have to we have to be able to differentiate between sexual fantasy and real life and that they should not merge too much together and become just one gigantic entertainment bubble you can enjoy sex of course that's fine you know, I do, at least sometimes, not at the moment. And no, I'm not buying myself a rubber puppet or some, some inflatable sex doll. I'm not going to do that. But um, is, is it necessary that, for example, if I had a girlfriend and I would confront her with this kind of stuff, that she would uh, do the same kind of, of facial uh, porn images and origao stuff just for fun to please me then I film this stuff and put it out into, into the internet and try to make her famous or stuff like that I mean come on if she can do a stunt by herself and survive a car crash and I filmed that that's cool not that I would promote to do that but you know what I mean okay there has to be a skill set somewhere that should be entertaining enough for someone to even to even think of clicking on it. But no, there's a young girl looking sexy and she's sticking out her tongue and looks like an anime manga puppet that I want to jerk off to. That's the world we live in now. Superb. 
I'm really proud of the human race and I think we all should die. Yeah, well, that's it. I think I said enough. You will look for this stuff yourself. You can make up your own mind. It's late now. It's 10 p.m. I should lie down and, you know, have sweet dreams or watch maybe an old classic movie. I don't know. I should be writing something. I have been working on one of those university tasks and and, uh, tests that I've been participating in. So that is kind of fun. The idea basically was just to give you an idea of what that is. I'm, I'm trying to study how to write children's books, okay? We're talking about this harsh stuff about sexual content, but this is the stuff I do in my private life to, I don't know, to enhance my skill sets as an illustrator. That's basically what I'm trying to do and find a market or a market niche to make some money for myself, you know, and try to make something halfway decent or at least educational to some point something that i could share with the world and say look if you read this this is going to be good material for for your kids you know something proper something something a good parent would be interested in telling their children for example you know and my my story is um at least this is for for university for one of these tests it's about a, a young boy with a gigantic nose all right and he's been being bullied in school. He has no friends because he has this gigantic nose and everyone is making fun of him. So he can't find anyone to play with. He has no friends. He can't share his, his, his time in school, you know, during playful hours with anyone. He's just being an outsider and being bullied. But at one fine day, he's able because, you know, he has a, he has a big nose, so he has a skill set, something that he can do. Like, for example, smell uh the bakery a mile away or flowers from the other side of the street he can smell the wet fur of a dog in the rain and stuff like stuff like that and of course he can smell smoke so in my story as an example that he, people have learned to to accept him that he's not that such not not that much of a bad guy or a bad boy to be around with uh, during one day at school, he noticed that there was smoke. There's a fire breaking out. Nobody could smell it but him. So he leaves the classroom in panic, or at least in, in, in slight anxiety, looking for the source of the smoke and then sounding the alarm to prove everyone else, yes, there is a fire, and he took care of it before it could get any worse. The fireman came and took it out, and he gets respected, you know, and then celebrated for being the actual hero for for preventing a real fire. So the kids started to understand, wow, if, if he didn't do that, you know, damage would be would have been much, much higher. That's how I'd like to end the story, just as, as an example of, of um, it doesn't matter what you look like, there's always something that you can do that is better than other people or that you have a great skill set. You're good at something and that you should not bully people, of course. So... That's basically the main idea. I wanted to keep working on it, maybe illustrate it somehow, but the the main concept is something I wanted to do for my teacher. If she likes it, I think I'm in a good place to play ball and not doing this, this, you know, oigao porn face bullshit. (laughs) I, I just want to live in a normal world, for fuck's sake, just once. I miss the good old days. I miss the 80s. I miss the 90s too, though. But the, but the 2000s started to be really crappy. But that's another story. So think of this stuff as you will. Take a look at these pictures. See what you can deal with them. If you have noticed them already, what do you think of them? 
Uh, do you have someone in your family doing this kind of stuff? Do you know someone performing these acts and getting attention too much? What do you think of them? What do they tell you? I'd like to, I'd like to know. I'd like to get some feedback if that's possible. And are you even worried about the future as much as I am? Do you think we're running into social decay? Do you think we're losing our fucking minds? Because, you know, apparently the world is falling apart, but in many different ways. You know, it's like the human race, our society as a whole, as a people, has so many cracks, and it feels like as if any moment we're going to burst and all of these glass pieces are flying around. And uh, it's going to take eons to build that back together again. So... With that, um, with that closing um, phrase of mine, I'd like to say good night. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And um, I hope you're doing well. Stay healthy out there as usual. Be kind to each other. And try not to watch too much of this bullshit. Do not promote these, these women. Do not support them. Please. You know, just knock it off. Be better than that. Get yourself a hobby. I wish you a good night and see you soon. Bye-bye.